0: Welcome back to In the Labyrinth of Death. I'm Finn. And I'm Marina. This week we're talking about tornadoes.
1: So we actually have had sort of like a related tornado experience. We were car camping with my family a few years back so it was me, Finn, my parents, my brother, and my parents' dog who was a border collie and we were having a good time. It was kind of rainy And I remember we just gotten engaged and someone at work giving me a bottle of cowboy wine, which was really nice of them. It was like a rosé with a cowboy on it. And so, you know, I was drinking the rosé and then the storm started picking up and someone had actually warned us that if there were a tornado that we should hide in the bathrooms. So we kind of like were aware of that because we were at like a campground. And so the storm started picking up. There started being tornado warnings. So being me, I tried to save myself and the dog From the thunderstorm, not necessarily the tornado. So I went and sat in the back of the car with the dog and the wine and just me. And everybody else was kind of, like, packing up camp and stuff. And then we were like, oh, no, shit, things are really bad. And so we actually ended up hiding in the bathroom at some point. Wait, no, no, no. I threw the wine on you before then, right? So because I've been drinking wine and we were going to have to, like, drive over to these bathrooms... I actually had the wine in my hand, and I didn't want to have an open container of alcohol in the car, even during, like, an emergency, so I tried to throw the wine outside, and I actually threw it all over Finn, who then smelled, like, alcohol for the rest of the night. But we ended up having to hide in the men's restroom during the middle of this, like, insane thunderstorm, and I think there was a tornado nearby, and then after that, we had to drive out. Finn wasn't drinking, so he drove And there were like frogs all over the road. Do you remember the frogs? Yes. They were like all over the road. It was so weird. It was a crazy night. But that's the closest I think either of us have actually come to being in a tornado.
0: Yeah, it wasn't a real tornado. It was just a bad storm.
1: Well, no, there was a tornado in the area, just not where we were. Right. Yeah.
0: That whole episode to me was a lot less centered on tornadoes and more so on almost being hit by lightning. There was like a big lightning strike, maybe I would say about 10 meters from where we were right outside of the bathroom. And it just was completely white for like a split second. And then everything was back to normal. But other than that, it wasn't too interesting.
1: Okay, so when you're saying that, you had actually opened the bathroom door and said, I bet I can run out there and come back inside and not be struck by lightning. And the moment you opened the door and started to walk outside, that's when the lightning struck right outside. So it's good you didn't try to do that like 10 seconds before because you would have been fried. But that's just our experience with kind of like a little nearby baby tornado. We're about to get into some kind of crazy tornadoes and the possibility of what tornadoes can be. But before we get into it, remember, like always, we're not experts at all of any kind. We just really don't want to die and we like researching and talking about it. So please listen to our full disclaimer at the end of the episode, and don't sue us, we're just two regular people. So the story I'm opening with today is one of those, like, big mega tornadoes. I think it's actually the 7th deadliest tornado in U.S. history. It was May 22, 2011, in Joplin, Missouri. Around 2 or 3 p.m., thunderstorms started to form over a large area of southeastern Kansas, and very, very quickly they turned from regular thunderstorms into severe thunderstorms. Then a tornado warning was issued at 5.17 p.m. At 5.34, so like 17 minutes later, the tornado actually touched down. Now when it first touched down, it started as an F1 and then built in strength and violence over the next few minutes. By 5.38, only four minutes after it first touched down, the tornado had reached F4 strength. It then built to an F5, which means winds above 200 miles per hour, And it maintained that as it continued its path of destruction through Joplin. And honestly, just saying like it's 200 miles per hour, it feels like a major understatement, even though that's an insane number. One thing that really struck me when I was researching this, you know those like concrete bars and parking spaces that like your tires will bump into so you don't go too far? And they're stuck on the ground with actual rebar like bound into the earth. It actually ripped those out of parking lots and through the whole concrete structures like they were like fucking javelins. It was insane. It destroyed a big part of the local high school, a nursing home was totally flattened, it took out a Walmart, a Home Depot, the hospital, the St. John's Medical Center they had there, and over 4,000 homes were totally flattened. And a local bank was also flattened, and you can actually see pictures of this. It left only the safety deposit box standing, so like the little concrete box, that was the only part of the bank left, which is just crazy. And it's hard to imagine the force that can wreak that kind of destruction, like Even when you see the pictures of the aftermath, it's just hard to imagine. At a local pizza hut, the manager named Christopher Lucas and his employees had 15 customers in the store, and they all heard what sounded like a fucking freight train. But according to people who survived, you couldn't actually see the tornado's funnel or like the tornado itself because they were right in the middle of it and it was so fucking huge. So Christopher, the manager, tried to get everybody into the walk-in freezer But it wasn't fast enough because it was already right on top of them. And some people were actually sucked out of the store, like both the front and the back of the store, before they could get into the freezer. So Christopher, the manager, tied a bungee cord to the inside of the freezer door handle and he kind of wrapped that around his arm to keep the door shut. But then the door was ripped off by the tornado and he was sucked out and killed. But he saved the rest of the people who were inside of the freezer by keeping the door closed that long.
0: Can you explain how that setup worked? Like, how was he holding the door closed?
1: It's kind of hard to visualize, but I actually saw a newsreel where there's another co-worker and he actually saw him starting to get, like, sucked out and he tried to grab him, but he didn't have time and they found the door and the part of the bungee cord was still attached. So imagine you're in a walk-in freezer, right? It doesn't lock from the inside, obviously. It's just got, like, a little handle on it. So basically, they usher everybody back into the freezer the manager, Christopher, grabs a bungee cord as he's trying to close the door. So he wraps the bungee cord around the handle and then around himself because there was no way to keep the door closed otherwise. He was just trying to like basically lash it closed, but there was nowhere to attach it to inside. So he basically just had to like attach it to himself and his like fucking strong arm it to try to keep the door closed.
0: This might be a really dumb and maybe even insensitive question, but Could they not find something else to attach it to within that time? Like something that was bolted to the ground? I,
1: I don't think that there was time. And there may not have been anything. It's a fucking freezer, right? There's probably not much in there apart from like some shelves that probably aren't bolted down, but they didn't have time. I mean, if you think about the fact that they were trying to get people into the back and before they could actually get them, pizza's are fucking tiny, right? Before they could get them into the freezer, people had already been sucked out. They were in the fucking middle of it. So the fact that they were able to get anybody in there and get the door closed is impressive.
0: Did they ever find where his body was?
1: I'm, I'm sure they did. They had to clean the whole town up. Okay. Yeah.
0: I'd be curious to know how far away the door was from his body.
1: I don't know. And I know that they were walking around where the pizza hut was and they saw the door, but they didn't get into any of that kind of grisly stuff. Because, I mean, his family still lives there. His girlfriend still lives there. He had two kids. She was pregnant with their third at the time. So I think it's just like they don't want to touch that kind of thing.
0: I want to go back to your point before about how high these wind speeds were, and is 200 miles an hour like average or is it on the higher side? Because you said it was F4 to F5.
1: That's about as high as it gets. I I think somewhere like the highest ever was like 318. I'll talk about that later, but yeah, that's like basically on the scale of like one to five, it's about as bad as it gets. And honestly, weird shit happens. Also in Joplin, there were accounts that they found like two by fours, like fucking wood, like impaled in concrete sidewalks just because it's going so fucking fast that all kinds of weird stuff happens like lawn chairs were stuck on the outsides of buildings like when things go that fast like all fucking bets are off like insane impossible surreal things can happen and in Joplin it wasn't just that it was 200 miles per hour which is insane for a while it was three quarters of a mile wide and it was moving about 15 to 30 miles per hour and a local meteorologist later provided some context on what that actually means. So imagine you have an F5 tornado, so it's going 200 miles per hour, and it's three quarters of a mile wide. If it's going slowly at that speed, 15 to 30 miles per hour, it could be over your actual home for two to three minutes. So I know like a lot of houses are built in areas with lot of tornadoes and stuff, but no fucking house is going to survive that. There's no way. Like, I know it also destroyed, like, some apartment buildings, and, like, the fact that it destroyed a high school is crazy to me, because that's where you go for storm shelters. So that's why it's so important to get, like we're going to talk about later, get to those inside rooms, get to those basements, anything that's safe. So just keep that in mind. And experts actually say that it was actually maybe not even three quarters of a mile, maybe up to a whole mile wide at its worst. I think you fucking 10 minutes to run the length of this thing is crazy. Or at least it would take me 10 minutes if I'm lucky. So it traveled a total of 22 miles and experts say that it lasted 38 minutes. 158 people died directly as a result of the tornado, and another eight died indirectly. Nearly 1,200 people were injured.
0: And just to give even more context, so when people hear, oh, a tornado in your area that's around your house for only two to three minutes, that might not sound like a lot, but I defy people right now. Get on the ground, hold a plank for three minutes straight, like a perfect flat plank, you're going to be shaking by probably 40 seconds in, most people. Three minutes for something to go over your house at 200 plus miles an hour is absurd.
1: So let's talk about tornadoes in general. So I learned this today and I feel like an idiot, but a tornado can only happen when there's a thunderstorm. They can't just come out of nowhere. And according to Noah, quote, tornadoes come from the energy released in a thunderstorm, end quote. So just imagine all of the energy present in a thunderstorm, and a small part of that becomes a tornado in certain circumstances. And what actually happens, meteorologically speaking, is if you have that thunderstorm and you imagine like a swirling funnel of air, it's going to descend from the thunderstorm. And that's basically what a tornado is. And interestingly, if it's just wind, the tornado is invisible, which is obvious until you think about it, or obvious (laughs) unless you think about it, um... So what you're going to actually see in the tornado is going to be stuff like water vapor, dust, debris that's going to get picked up as the wind swirls. And like I was saying earlier, the winds that hit Joplin were about 200 miles per hour. I think the fastest that's ever recorded was like 318 or something crazy like that. And obviously that would be an F5 tornado. And I'll get into classifications a little bit later. So tornadoes normally travel. So imagine not like the spinning part of the tornado, but the tornado moving along the ground at 10 to 20 miles per hour, but they can go up to 60 miles per hour, which is just fucking crazy. And it's also possible for them to stand still in one place. Probably not the whole time they exist, but they can kind of pause. They might touch down somewhere else. They kind of look like if you look at these neighborhoods that get destroyed, sometimes it looks like they fucking skip houses. So it's just their behavior is kind of like weird and unpredictable and just extremely powerful. And when I was thinking about this, I think it was Twister. I could be making this up It could be an old adage, but I think it was Twister. I have to rewatch it. And there was this thing where it's like, oh, if you see the tornado and it looks like it's standing still, it's probably coming towards you. That's probably true, my guess, if it's far away. But it's also possible that it's literally standing still, which I didn't know before today. So I don't know if it's 100% true that if it's standing still, it's coming towards you. But if you're close enough to see that, you should probably act as if it's coming towards you anyway.
0: So do tornadoes literally suck things up or is it just because there happens to be a bunch of things swirling that it looks like things are being pulled up?
1: I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> because I don't, I don't understand physics. I actually spent a while trying to understand how tornadoes work and I really still don't. Like I can visualize the clouds, I can visualize the funnel coming down. And I'm going to talk a little bit about, like, how you can look at cloud formations in a thunderstorm and know if a tornado was likely. Like, some of those things, but some of the parts of the clouds were too complicated, and so I just completely ignored them. So we're going to talk about the stuff that I can understand later. So in terms of, like, the actual physics of is it going to suck it up or just, like, throw it around, I, I really just don't know. All right, so we just found documentation. It is going to, basically, as it passes over, it is going to Lift an item, debris, or like a person or whatever, into the tornado towards the vortex, and then it will be spun out of the tornado. So that's how a tornado can kind of like pick things up, and then they get kind of like thrown out somewhere else, if that makes any sense. And basically, everything about tornadoes is squishy. They can happen just about anywhere, but they're most common in the United States, especially in the area known as Tornado Alley. Tornado Alley encompasses a huge like chunk of central US. So if you picture a map of the continental U.S., you start kind of in mid-Texas, like halfway up Texas, and you go straight up until you hit South Dakota. That whole column of states includes Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, Missouri, Arkansas, North Dakota, Montana, Ohio, and little tiny baby slivers of Colorado and Wyoming. That whole area of land, that's all Tornado Alley. So basically like all the central plains. And the U.S. leads both in terms of number of tornadoes and severity of tornadoes. But like I said, they can happen on any continent. I'm not sure about Antarctica, but I will include that. Some of the other countries that have areas frequently hit by tornadoes include Canada, most of Europe, especially Western Europe, Japan, New Zealand, South Africa, parts of Australia, Argentina, you get the idea. They can happen basically anywhere, not just in Tornado Alley. So, you're not safe just because you don't live in, like, Texas, for example.
0: Can tornadoes happen over water? Like, exclusively just water?
1: So, I actually literally looked this up just, like, a minute ago. They can. They're called tornadic waterspouts. And so, if you imagine, like, a big-ass, like, thunderstorm happening over the ocean, and apparently this is, like, actually impacted, like, resorts in Hawaii and stuff, like, a big storm at sea. So, thunderstorms, high waves, you are like, fucking hail and shit- you can get a tornado that forms over the water, which is a tornadic water spout, that, then get, that can then go from the water to the land with the water in it. So, like, you can have a water tornado that then moves inland and wreaks havoc. And tornadoes are most likely to happen in the afternoons and evenings, so most often from, like, 3 to 9 p.m., but... Like how tornadoes can happen anywhere, they can also happen at any time if conditions are right. So if it's 8 in the morning and it's a horrific thunderstorm and people are telling you there's going to be a tornado, you should really take that seriously. Just because it's not in the evening doesn't mean it won't happen. Now in terms of tornado season, it really depends on where you are. For the southern part of the U.S., which is a lot of that like tornado alley kind of area, peak tornado season is March through May, so springtime. But in the northern part of the U.S., including, like, the top part of Tornado Alley, it's later in the summer. And the delay in peak season in the north is just because kind of, like, primo thunderstorm season is later the farther north you go, just because seasons are a little bit different.
0: Is there any justification for why there's, like, a time frame for when tornadoes are more likely to happen? Because if storms can happen at any time, then tornadoes should logically happen at any time.
1: Yeah, I think that's why they can happen at any time, but... If you think about it, when we get thunderstorms, like in the summer, right, when it's gonna be a thunderstorm, it's usually not in the morning unless it's like an all-day thunderstorm. It's usually an evening thing, and I don't know what it is about like weather and meteorology that makes that true, but at least in our experience, think about like those summers where it's like it's decent in the morning and then you get like the evening thunderstorm, and you can get like multiple days of that happening. I'm not sure why though.
0: I don't think that's true. I actually think about morning thunderstorms that last all day more
1: i'm not saying i'm saying yeah there's all day thunderstorms that might start in the morning but if you're going to have just a thunderstorm chances are it's going to be in the afternoon or the evening
0: i don't know if i believe that
1: i'm gonna look it up all right i found a quote this is an actual pamphlet from the national weather service so weather.gov it's legit when are thunderstorms most likely so here's the quote thunderstorms are most likely to happen in the spring and summer months okay and during the afternoon and evening hours, but can occur year round and at all hours. End quote. They go on to specify later on that in like the southeast and western states, most thunderstorms occur during the afternoon. But that during uh, the late afternoon and at night is when they happen in plain states.
0: So to summarize, because in those plain states, which is also where Tornado Alley is, because thunderstorms happen more in the evening and afternoon, that's why tornadoes will happen more likely in the evening and afternoon.
1: Yep, but because they can happen at any time, so too can tornadoes if the right thunderstorm happens. All right, and I promised earlier that I was going to talk about the different levels and categorizations of tornadoes. So the levels of tornadoes' badness are basically broken down by wind speed. So you start at F0, which is just a gale tornado, where the wind speed is 40 to 72 miles per hour, goes up to an F1, and so the miles per hour go up to 112. F2 goes up to 157, which seems really high for just an F3. Wait a minute. These were adjusted. Okay, because these numbers... So Joplin was an F5, right? At over 200 miles per hour? But I think I was reading that Joplin, they actually had to... They adjusted the scale after Joplin. So I think this is the adjusted Fujita scale. It's not the original. Anyway... So this is the most current one that exists. So severe tornadoes go up to 206 miles per hour. That's an F3. F4 goes up to 260, and F5 goes up to 318 miles per hour, which is just fucking crazy. Okay, so this is where I got confused. I just tried to figure this out. So there's the Fujita scale, which is like the original one when you're talking about like an F5 or whatever. And so there is also something called the enhanced Fujita scale, which is the EF scale. So when we're saying that, like, the thing that hit Joplin, that big tornado that was over 200 miles per hour, was an F5, that was actually an EF5, so the enhanced Fujita scale. Basically, it's the same kind of thing where you're categorizing tornadoes based on wind speed. They just slice it a little bit differently. So when you hear EF5, that just means over 200. So it's basically 200 up to 318 plus anything is an EF5. But if you're just looking at the regular... Fujita scale and they're just Fs, then it just kind of breaks the gradation down a little bit more. So that something that is 200 miles per hour, would be an F3. And then an F4 goes up to 260 and F5 goes up to 318. So just when you're listening to like what the scale of a tornado is, it's just a little bit confusing. Just pay attention to whether they're saying F and the number or EF and the number, because that confused me until like right at this moment. I thought that it was the same scale. And it's just that It's the same scale, but there's different versions, and the way they slice it is just different. But whichever way you slice it, it's going to be the debris that's going to kill you. So it's not going to be the wind or anything like that. Chances are it's going to be flying debris that's probably going to impale you or clobber you. Now, about every year, there's 800 to 1,200 tornadoes in the U.S. alone. An average of 80 people are killed, but again, you get those kind of like freak tornadoes where a bunch of people die sometimes. And about 1,500 people are injured by tornadoes every year. So you're more likely to be injured than killed, but either one sucks. So what should you do if you're about to be in a tornado? So before the tornado, one thing you can do is know the difference between a watch and a warning. So a watch means that a tornado is possible in your area, whereas a warning is more severe, and that means that a tornado has been sighted by a human or it's been seen on a Doppler. So warning means there is a tornado. Watch means there could be a tornado. And I found this really interesting, but if you're in storm watching or you're just curious, there are certain cloud patterns during thunderstorms that can indicate that a tornado is possible. I'm not going to go into all of them because there's actually a bunch of them, but I'll share a few that were just easy for me to understand. So I'll see if I can post a graphic about this. But basically, imagine like looking at like the plains. So you've got like the ground and then like the sky and thunderclouds up in the sky. If you see light and dark striations towards the bottom of the cloud, that could indicate strong rotating forces in the wind. So kind of like a stripey kind of thing going on. Now still visualizing kind of like the ground in the sky with the big thunderstorm cloud up there. Part of this big storm cloud is going to have precipitation and part isn't. So in the part without precipitation, so the part without any rain falling, you can sometimes get something called a wall cloud. It's basically part of the cloud that hangs down below the main area and that might be rotating. So if you see one, it's possible that that thing called the wall cloud is going to hang around for 10 to 20 minutes before the formation of an actual tornado. So it can be kind of a precursor, but it doesn't necessarily mean that a tornado will happen. It's just a good indication. Generally speaking, though, dark, low-hanging clouds are going to be potentially bad, meaning that they could kind of portend that a tornado could happen. Large hail is also bad. Like, obviously, unto itself, large hail is destructive and dangerous. But it could also indicate that a tornado may be about to happen. And if you hear a freight train, chances are it's not a train, it's a tornado in these situations. Unless you live next to a railroad, in which case all bets are off. But if you see any of these things, like the big hail, you know, like the crazy clouds that start dropping, you should be aware that a tornado could happen, just that it may not necessarily happen.
0: Now, to me, as somebody who also is not super into meteorology, I feel like a lot of these signs are pretty typical for just bad weather in general. So is it possible to pick out one specific thing that indicates this is definitely going to be a tornado or could it just end up being like normal routine weather?
1: There is no specific thing. So even the prediction of tornadoes is not like a fully concrete science yet. Like they know a lot more about it than they used to, but there is nothing you can look at in the clouds and be like, yep, that's going to be a tornado or like, hey, the sky's like that bottle green, like it's going to be a tornado. Like you can't know that because it basically has to have like all these conditions and a tornado could happen or it couldn't. So the one thing I did see talked about most often was that wall cloud. Imagine like the flat bottom part of a thunderstorm and then like a little part jutting out from the bottom of it. That's the wall cloud. And so people talked about seeing that and then seeing a tornado or sometimes seeing the wall cloud and no tornado. But there seems to be an expectation in people's heads that when you see the wall cloud, that conditions are right for a tornado to potentially happen. So there are things that you can do to prepare in advance. And one of those is know where you're going to shelter. And I've read a story about this a while ago, and I couldn't find it just now, but basically, if you have extras, and it's reasonable for you to do so, you can store helmets in that area, and that can actually help prevent serious head injuries in the event of a tornado. So basically, if you have old, like, bike helmets and stuff that aren't, like, damaged, but they're just kind of laying around in your garage, and you're planning to go into your basement, maybe put the helmets in the basement. And I'll talk more about that in a little bit, but Also make sure, if you're able to in that area, have standard preparedness stuff in a waterproof container, so like flashlights, extra batteries, phone charger, external battery, like a crank weather radio, over-the-counter prescription meds for you, your family, and your pets, food, clothes, important documents, all that stuff. And so if you know you might be in an area that's going to be likely to get tornadoes, maybe just stash this in your tornado safe room so you don't have to go looking for it because when a tornado is going to hit, you don't have a ton of time to prepare. Something else that you should be sure to do is make sure your cell phone is able to receive alerts about possible tornadoes. That's one of those things they always say to turn it on, but certain alerts can't be turned off. And so just double check and make sure that either you're automatically going to get the tornado alerts or that you have it configured on. Also, if your town has a tornado siren, know what that sounds like. We actually grew up in an area that had tornado sirens and they sounded really creepy. It was like a war of the worlds kind of creepy noise. And if you have a weather radio at home, pay attention when it goes off. Apparently they can go off fairly frequently over minor things if the settings are like that, but just always pay attention if you hear it going off. And if you do get a watch or a warning, take it seriously. Grab your kids, grab your pets, head to the shelter. And this is something I do when there's a bad storm, even though we don't live in like Tornado Alley. I will actually harness and leash our dogs just in case I need to grab them quickly. And there was one couple in the Joplin tornado that I opened with, like the big one, who actually got home, unfortunately, right as the sirens were going off. So they're basically walking in their front door as the tornado sirens are going off. And they had a dog named Sugar who actually started running down to the basement with them. But Sugar got scared and ran back upstairs to hide under the bed. And the couple didn't have time to run back and get her before the tornado hit their house. And the couple survived in their shelter. They managed to get there just in time and they assumed that Sugar had been killed in the tornado because basically the house was demolished. Somehow, though, she was actually thrown from the house into a ditch. So she had broken legs and a broken back, and I think she actually may have been, like, paralyzed in her back legs, but Sugar survived, and they were all reunited. But honestly, it could have gone another way, either with Sugar dying or the couple dying trying to get to Sugar. So if you have time, keep your pets with you and grab them. Like, literally, like, grab onto their harness or their collar or something, because they might panic and do something really stupid and run away. And the same thing goes for cats. If you're at risk for a tornado because it's a really bad storm, maybe consider keeping them with you and having a carrier nearby you could just drop them into quickly if you need to. Now, during the actual tornado, it turns out you have a 70% chance that the t- whole tornado is only going to last 1-10 to minutes, and that it could just be a weak tornado if you're unlucky, the whole tornado and its full path could last up to 20 minutes. And if you're really, really unlucky, like, top 2% unlucky, you're in what's considered a violent tornado that could last an hour or more. And these kinds of, like, top 2% most dangerous tornadoes are really shitty situations to be in because these rare or violent tornadoes are also the most deadly and destructive because they're the most powerful and they last the longest. Now, If you're in your car when the tornado is, like, right on top of you, do not stay in the car. What you want to do is get to the nearest building, or if you can't find a building, lay down in a ditch and cover your head. And a few interesting tidbits here with cars. You don't want to try to seek shelter under an overpass. It might seem like you're going to be a little bit more sheltered from the wind, but it actually doesn't shelter you. It turns into something like a wind channel. I I imagine, like, have you ever been in, like, a city, like... During the cold winter and you're in between the buildings and it's just like a fucking like freezing cold air whipping at you. It's basically like that, but magnified, intensified in the underpass. So debris is going to become like straight up missiles coming at you. So avoid taking shelter in overpasses. You want to lay flat in the ground in a ditch.
0: Now, speaking of wind tunnels and alleys and that kind of thing, is it safe or recommended to hide in something big and bulky like a dumpster, for example?
1: I don't know. What they do recommend, though, is if you cannot get indoors, it's like you're trapped outside. You of like a fucking field or something in like a park. I don't know. They actually do recommend hiding underneath a metal trash can. So like laying on the ground, pulling the trash can over you just as like like a little like mini coffin, except it's not for dead people. It's for keeping you alive. So that is recommended with a metal trash can. I don't know if a regular dumpster is going to get you low enough to the ground or if the walls are going to be thick enough to make a difference cuz if you think about what happened in Joplin where you had like wood planks like driven into concrete that's not going to make much of a difference in a dumpster, right? And chances are the dumpster isn't going to be like empty when you're in there anyway, so you might be higher up in the air. The general recommendation is to get like flat on the ground.
0: I mean, it sounds like the safest place is just to be Underground, right? Like that's why those places in Tornado Alley all have basements and or cellars.
1: Yeah, I'll get into that in a little bit. But basically, a tornado is going to be like a surface phenomena. I did read that some tornadoes have dug into the earth a little bit, but only like three feet down, right? So if you're in your basement or you're in like a storm like shelter underneath the earth, you're a lot safer there than you would be above ground.
0: Has anybody ever gone into like a manhole?
1: I don't know. But I imagine that you could, right? Because you're still beneath the earth. I have seen that asphalt has been ripped up by tornadoes. So I don't know if your exit is going to be in the same condition as it was when you used it as an entrance.
0: But you're probably still going to be alive, though.
1: I would assume so. I mean, when people thought, like, the fake test warning the nuke that was going to go off over Hawaii that was just a warning sign. Sorry, a warning message. People put their kids in this, like, inside the sewers. Now, one thing, though, is you don't have a ton of time between the tornado siren going off and the tornado potentially hitting you. So if you're not already right next to like, the manhole cover for the sewer entrance, you're better off finding a different shelter if you're near a building versus trying to go out there and hope you can pry it open and get yourself and your kids inside.
0: Well, I mean, I'm thinking of the normal, quote-unquote, normal, like, sedentary job, right, where you are probably on a computer or something and you are not like out and about. So you're in a building. Chances are, if you commute to work in America, for example, you are within, I would say like 10 minutes of a manhole if you run. But otherwise, like you're in a building and probably not on the ground floor. So it's not a great place to be in a tornado. So I'm just trying to think like, where is the safest place you could go if you're on like, the third floor of a building, for example.
1: You're going to want to go down to the bottom floor and you're going to want to go somewhere internal in that kind of a place. And there might actually be specific storm shelters marked. I've seen that in a lot of office buildings where they'll have like a sign, like especially like bathrooms because there's no windows to the outside that like, hey, this is like the storm shelter room. So just know where those are in your building.
0: Now, I know that in earthquakes, the safest place to be is in like the stairwell because that's usually the last thing standing in that kind of event. Is that true for tornadoes too?
1: It is, yeah. Um, So I'll get into this in just a second. But basically, if you're going into your basement, if you can go into your basement and then turn right around and go under those stairs, because that's going to be really structurally sound. And the other part of it is, chances are it's just staircases above, right? Like you don't have like a refrigerator right above your staircase. Because when you're actually going into the basement or like a lower level of your house, even, you have to worry about the objects that are above you. Because if you're in your basement and you're right underneath where your fridge is, if the house starts shaking, that fridge could fall through the now unstable floor and then you get crushed in your basement by a refrigerator.
0: Now, how safe is something like an elevator, like the body of an elevator? Let's say you're not on like the top story of a building, like you're on the bottom floor. Is it safe to hide in there?
1: People are going to tell you to hide in the stairwell and not in the elevator.
0: This is hypothetical, but let's say it's imminent and the elevator is somehow closer to you than the stairwell. Is that okay or is it not okay?
1: I honestly don't know. That's such a judgment call because it really depends. Like you don't know what's going to happen to those fucking cables. Like if something weird happens though you could shoot up or you could shoot down in the elevator. I think generally if you can't get somewhere low down internal, laying down on the ground covering the back of your head is going to be like your best bet. I would be personally nervous about going into an elevator right as a tornado hits.
0: I was thinking the probably safest place to be is inside of like a bank vault, right? Like those thick ass fucking safe doors with like those rotating handle Well, that's
1: what I said. That's what happened in Joplin. The safety deposit room was the only thing left standing.
0: Right. Like if you're somehow lucky enough in that situation, I would try to open that vault and get in there.
1: Well, yeah, you might run out of air though.
0: Well, are those really airtight though?
1: The movies would have me believe that we should do one should an episode on like bank hostages and see how long you actually can survive in a bank vault.
0: I doubt they're airtight.
1: Well, we'll have to we'll have to look into it and see if we do that episode later on. But I don't know. And chances are you're not going to know the fucking spin vault password to get in anyway. So I would just say generally in most circumstances, you're going to want to go down as far as you can go and somewhere internal. And I'll, I'll talk about a few more of those details in just a second.
0: Well, let's say that you're in some, I don't know, normal pedestrian place. Like you're in like a restaurant. Where would you go then? Like the kitchen's probably not any safer than the main like room, the dining room.
1: People often go into the walk-in freezer or into bathrooms. Right. Because they're going to be towards the back and like away from like the front windows and the front door, all that glass and stuff. And they're going to be internal. So you want like an internal room without glass because you'll be a little bit more protected there versus just like the windows getting shattered and stuff flying in.
0: But in those like F4, F5 tornadoes where like it's rubble in its wake, you're still fucked in that case, right?
1: A lot of the time, but a lot of it's chance too. I think there was in Joplin, like Walmart got clobbered, like a bunch of places got completely demolished. But I think it was a Lowe's that people moved to the back of the store where there were fewer windows and they survived. One last thing about cars that I didn't mention if you're in a car, a lot of places that I looked for advice said not to try to flee a tornado in a car. I would probably still try to do it, but it just depends on where you look. I did find some reputable sources that do suggest driving away from the tornado if you're not directly in its path. Like, basically, if you can safely get away, then get away. And if you're going to do that, try to move away from the tornado at 90 degrees from the path that it's currently on. Now, to answer some of your questions, Finn, that you had about being in various, like, residential structures, if you're in a mobile home, honestly, what you want, especially if it's not tied down, you really just need to get the fuck out and try to seek shelter at, like, a storm shelter or the nearest structure. I also saw online that you should turn your gas off at the meter if you have time before you leave. I couldn't find a lot to corroborate that, though, and if it's going to make you take longer to leave, if it's more than, like, half a second and it's not going to be safe to do it, just get out and make your safety be the primary goal. Now, if you're in a house with a foundation or in an apartment building, and you can, go into the basement, get like I said earlier, and get under the stairs. But if you can't get under the stairs for any reason, try to get under a big piece of furniture. But like I said earlier, be careful where you're doing that. Just be aware of like the large items in your house on the floors above you, because you don't want to be crushed to death by your fridge or anything else like that. And I also saw that you probably don't need to turn off your gas before the tornado hits. And if you do turn off your gas, and we do have one of those things down there just in case like the turn off the gas wrench thing that doesn't spark, but you will not be able to turn your gas back on by yourself. You actually have to have like a professional come out to physically turn the gas in your house back on. So just know that if you are turning the gas off, someone has to come out to turn it back on. And if you don't have a basement, you want to get into an internal room with no windows and just hunker down. And remember, like I talked about earlier, if you've already decided where you're going to be sheltering in your home and you happen to have extra helmets or you just want to store your helmets there, in the middle of the tornado, right as it's coming, if you have time, put those helmets on. But if you haven't already, like, mise en place, your helmets being there, do not go looking for them. It's a waste of time. Remember, seconds, like, really, really count with tornadoes. So if you have the helmets right there, put them on. It's going to save your skull. If you don't have helmets, don't waste time looking for them. Just get down and cover your head. And if you're in a public building, one tip that I saw in a few places was to avoid buildings with high ceilings and like those big expansive roofs because that's not, I guess, not as structurally sound. I'm not sure. But basically, if you have a choice of like Walmart kind of building and a choice of like a smaller building, choose the smaller lower building. And whatever building you're in, try to find somewhere internal like a bathroom and just kind of hunker down like you did during like tornado drills in school. Now, after the tornado, like always, don't go into a structure that's been potentially damaged unless it's been deemed to be safe. Stay away from downed power lines. And if you smell gas, call the gas company and get the fuck out because you're going to blow up. All right. So we do talk about movies where these things happen. so. The two that most obviously came to my mind when I was thinking about researching tornadoes are Twister, which is a classic, and that's not 100% accurate, but according to Noah, it is based on, like, the real work of, like, legitimate people, so Twister's just awesome. It's a great movie, and then my real fucking all-time favorite guilty pleasure movie, Day After Tomorrow, has, like, these, like, massive tornadoes, and I think it's, like, in San Francisco or something. It's been a while since I've seen it, sadly, but basically, like, it, like, peels apart these like big like skyscraper buildings. It's it's completely ridiculous the whole thing, but that's not at all accurate, but it's a really fun movie. And there's actually I think basically every disaster movie has some kind of like tornado in it if it's a natural disaster. But anyway, those are the two that really came to mind for me. And I think I think that's all that I have for tornadoes. I think that's all we got. Okay, so oh actually I did have one last point. I wanted to know if climate change was going to impact the number of severity the number or severity of tornadoes in the future, and it turns out we don't know. Apparently, there's combated kind of forces happening. One thing that is happening, but they don't know if it's related to climate change or not, is that Tornado Alley is shifting kind of east. So you're seeing fewer tornadoes in traditional Tornado Alley in the United States, and it's moving more towards like Kentucky and Tennessee, and they're seeing increasing numbers. So whether that's a permanent change, whether it's related to climate change, we just don't know yet at this point. Uh, but it is possible that we will have more tornadoes later on, but not necessarily. It's just one of those things where they're going to have to wait and see because there are more chances for thunderstorms, but there's things that could neutralize the the conditions for a tornado happening, also increasing. So we'll just have to wait and see. All right. And for realsies now, I think that's all we've got. So don't forget that we have a website in the labyrinthofdeath.com. If you'd like to get some stickers, you can go to InTheLabyrinthOfDeath.com slash stickers. You can also reach us on Instagram at InTheLabyrinthOfDeath. So wherever you guys listen, go ahead and follow us and leave us a review. That really makes a whole world of difference, so we'd really appreciate it.
0: Tune in next week for yet another new episode of In The Labyrinth Of Death. In the meantime, send us your near misses with death or tornadoes to InTheLabyrinthOfDeath at gmail.com.
1: We'll see you all next week this podcast is researched and presented by enthusiasts not experts and is for entertainment purposes only none of the content you have heard is meant to be taken as legal medical financial survival or any other kind of advice please consult with actual professionals